Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 324 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and with me, as always, is Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, welcome, all you listeners out there, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Yes, um, we're still stuck inside, which isn't so bad today, Alois. It's a bit gloomy outside and it seems to be raining, so... Yeah, um, plenty of rain last night here, So, uh, but it's nice. The bird got some uh, parrots outside feeding and, uh, yeah, brings brings different wildlife. Lovely, lovely. And in breaking news, we have to mention our competition. So we've we finished recording our podcast... We realise we should have put it at the front, so we're recording it now, but we're moving it forward. Anyway, you'll get the idea. This, Alois, it is this competition is a mess. time. This is a mess, Jeff, but yeah, <laughs> but it's very important. We do have the competition um, ending in four days' time. So the competition is to see how many times you can bounce the ball on the edge of your bat in a row. You need to film it and send it in to us. Um, so you can either send it to us as a video or you can post it on our Facebook page or put it up on YouTube and send us the link. So, um, so guys, pretty easy competition to get involved in, just bouncing the ball on the edge of your bat and film it. Um, the winner, uh, so the person that gets the most bounces on the edge of their bat gets a one-year Ping Skills Premium Membership. Woohoo! Yeah, and second place is one-month skills premium membership so get on it you haven't got long uh, if you've been holding out and practicing good work but now is the time get your entry in yep get your entry in and if you haven't been practicing get busy quick there's still time bounce it on get video film it send it in see how many you can do awesome all right good great luck. work alloys now if you are listening to this podcast this is a bit we just recorded at the end of the show but at the end of the show, you're going to hear us talk about the competition again. It's gonna... Anyway, it's all good. Anyway, back to normal show proceedings. Now, Alois, um, yes, in a classroom the other day, there were some there were some kids, and the teacher said to them, "What do chickens give you?" And the kids said, "Eggs." And she said, "Very good." And then then the teacher said, "What do pigs give you?" And the student said, "Bacon." And the teacher was like, yeah, very, very good. And then she said, and what does the fat cow give you? And all the students said, homework. <laughs> yes. It's almost amusing. <laughs> very amusing joke. What a way to kick off the show. Yeah, not, not very complimentary to teachers though, Jeff. And uh, we know that you're one. Yes, I know, but you know, you know, kids kids are like that though, aren't they? They like to be funny, <laughs> or disrespectful, or no, I, I mean funny. They like to be funny. Funny, exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, yes. kids are great. Um, so Alois, there's you know with this um, COVID crisis, yeah, um, it's affecting all of us. Yes, but it's it is. also affecting the ITTF, isn't it? It is. It's uh, yeah. Um, they've had to cancel um, a lot of events. Well, um, all the events at the moment. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a s struggle for uh, table tennis. But I think you know every sport is in the same boat uh, right around the world. You know, there's no sport going on, except I think there's some uh, 
Belarusian um, soccer happening. Is but, there? Uh, apparently, yes. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, there's not much sport happening. And uh, but I th- I think it's uh, also given us a bit of think time, and it's certainly given Steve Dayton, the CEO of the ITTF, some think time. Um, and they have come up with a really different structure. It's a structure that they had put in place prior to um, to COVID-19. But um, I think it's will give us a bit of time to just think about the, the new structure and also um, almost a clean break and, uh, and set up of the new structure once it's uh, implemented. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I like the way it's been phrased. It's like a message from our CEO and it says, Dear Table Tennis Friends, a message of hope. Mm. Yeah, so um, so basically, what it is, they've set up the world uh, World Table Tennis as a separate entity um, that will run the major events um, of table tennis, and they've come up with a structure that is very similar to the tennis structure, really. Um, so they're going to have different levels of events. Now, so at the moment, you know, we've got the the pro the the pro tour events, um, and there are some platinum events and etc. But this is going to, I think, really identify some key events um, and call them the, well, they're going to have four similar to the Grand Slams and they've called it the Grand Smashes and that's probably the <laughs> that's probably the weakness in the plan, I think. Uh, you're not a big fan of the name Grand Smashes. It, it no. sounds, it sounds um, I like, don't know, very playground-like. It doesn't sound like a, a very yeah. formal name. But, you know, we can get over a name. I, I like the idea. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they'll have four grand smashes um, in a year, and that'll have sixty-four men and sixty-four women in the in the in the main draw. Um, but then they'll also have um, the cup finals, so similar to what they do at the moment. So, um, and, and I uh, would say that the the top uh, players from the tour uh, will uh, qualify for the cup finals at the end of the year. Um, and so I guess like tennis alloys, these are meant to be the big events. Like, in, and, and like, because previously what they, they had world championships, didn't they? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the other big announcement is that they're thinking of um, doing away with the world singles championships. So there won't be a world singles champion anymore. Um, and it'll be more along the lines of these grand smashes and, the cup finals. Yeah, so it, and I think I read somewhere that they might be able to, you know, crown a, a world champion from those major events, maybe, maybe something like that. They might be able to do something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. But but the um, focus will really be those four grand smashes. Yes, exactly. But I think the what I like is the is the level of events. So you know, so then they've also got eight uh, champions series events. Mm-hmm. Um, with 32 draw um, then they've got a star contenders event and then they've got contenders event so you know depending on your level um, is you know where you qualify or where you will be able to play um, in those events so for example in the champions series I'm just uh, going through and having a look um, yeah, yeah so the cup finals and then there's the the champions um, so <clears throat> It, it, it's um, it's a top tier designed for the top players with nearly five million dollars um, on offer. So four separate females and male events, um, exclusively for the best thirty-two players on the planet. So um, so again, that's 
you know, that's a fairly major um, level of event. And Which one was that? That's the Champion Series. Okay, yep. Yep. Uh, the Star Contenders um, or the Contender Series. Um, the Contenders are split into two series and offer opportunities for up-and-coming table tennis players to build confidence and experience on the world stage. So, yeah, so it's just, um, yeah, just different levels, I guess, for uh, for each um, uh, at each level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Now, the... I think it'll be controversial for a lot of people the removing the singles, the world singles championships, because there's a lot of history there, and you know, you know, people say, "Oh, he's two-time world singles champion," and suddenly you're switching to this four um, grand smashes per year. I think that's going to be a bit controversial. Yeah, it is. You know, and um, I, I do like the the thought of having a world champion. But uh, I'm also willing to give this new structure a go and just see um, what it does. I mean, the the big thing for table tennis is that we just don't attract the the money and the and the crowds and the and the interest that it really deserves. And if this does that for table tennis and increases the profile around the world, then um, I think it's worth it. And it's and it's worth a try. You know, why not? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And and I think having that more regularly, uh, big events more often, is going to promote it more often. Like there's more chances to promote it because you've got a lot more, um, you know, big events more often. Like world championships once every two years for the singles is is quite a long time off. In that time now, we're going to have eight grand smashes, so a lot more opportunity to promote it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and the, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I think you were going to talk about the world teams championships yeah yeah exactly because here it's a bit different isn't it because um i think the message is trying to say that um like national associations should really focus on the team's events so keep that world team's events and then focus on the olympics and paralympics um but then the individual players have sort of more control over their own destiny through this world tour oh sorry world table tennis yeah yeah and uh and uh, I mean, it, it's it's really very closely aligned to tennis, isn't it? I mean, it, I guess the um, the Davis Cup uh, mm. being the World Teams Championships, and you know, just um, making the um, that World Teams Championships just the one event. I think you know, Davis Cup is also struggling um, on the tennis front, and I think they're looking at changing their structure, to yeah, like to something like this. You know, whether it's once a year or once every two years. Um, to have a major teams event, so um, yeah, I uh, it's uh, it's interesting, but it is very controversial because you know it, it is changing history of table tennis, and uh, you know will that uh, will that be better for the sport, worse for the sport? My my feeling is table tennis doesn't get its just desserts right now um, with with exposure, um, and I think we need to get out of the box and and really try something new yeah yeah i tend to agree exactly it's such a great sport um you know and at the olympics it always rates really well um so i think it's got a lot to offer and like you said we're just not reaching that audience so i think trying something new is good and as um steve dayton said you know now's probably a good time to to do it you've got a lot of think time we're not actually playing events now so we can come out of this uh, and once we get the green light again to start playing, just try this new structure and put all our efforts into that and see see what happens. Yeah. So, uh, 
And we'll put some uh, a, a link to the a couple of um, links on the show notes. So one is to um, to Steve Dayton's uh, message, but then also to WorldTableTennis.com, which is the website of the uh, of the new um, structure. Yep. Very, very exciting times, yeah. Yeah. So World have table a look. tennis. More than double the prize money. New marquee events and exclusive women's tour. First in class TV production and compelling stories. So they're they're really trying to make the um the athletes like the front and centre of of um of world table tennis. Yeah, and I think that's that's been one of the really big lacking points in table tennis and I've and we've talked about this quite a bit before. Um, you know, people don't know um, the best table tennis players out there. Sorry, the general public don't know um, the best table tennis players out there. You know, the table tennis fans all know them, but that's it. Um, you know, people don't have any empathy for um, for those top players, but they just don't know anything about them. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, getting, getting the players front and centre out there, um, getting people to, you know, have their favourite you know, is it Federer? Is it Nadal? Is it Djokovic? Yeah. Is it Murray? Yeah, and have everyone the, talking the, about the that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, oh well, exciting times, Alois. Um, yes, indeed. So, yeah. Now, let let us know your thoughts, people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll. Um, yeah, let us know. Send us a message or put something on Facebook, or we might even put a blog up and you can put a comment on the blog. All right, so, Alois, this show is about answering uh, Pink Skiller's questions, and we've got some good ones today. First up from Mike is a question. He says, he wants to know about custom bats. He says, does not matter what thickness of sponge I have on the bat? And when making a custom bat, do you have to glue the rubber to the wood or does it come with a sticky surface? Ah, good question. And, and this is a question that a lot of... Um players have when they're first starting out and exploring uh, new equipment and bats. So firstly, um, the thickness of the sponge, so that's the yellowy or white or blue sometimes um, or green uh, layer underneath. Basically any colour. Any (laughs) colour. Okay, (laughs) any colour. Yeah, so the thickness of that um, determines the amount of speed and spin that you can generate from that particular rubber. So the thicker the sponge, the more spin and the more speed that you can generate. Um, so, in, and then if it's thinner, then obviously you can you get more control and the ball comes off a little bit slower. So, uh, the important thing though is that the the top rubber surface also uh, determines that speed. So, for example, if you get one type of rubber, so say a Mark V rubber. Um, if you use Mark V rubber with a thin sponge or a thick sponge will determine the speed and spin of Mark V rubber. But a two millimeter Mark V rubber isn't going to be as spinny or even as fast as a 1.5 Tenergy rubber, for example. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so it's just um, grades within that particular rubber. Um, are determined by the thickness of the sponge. If you, if that makes sense, uh, got a little bit, um, little bit wordy there, but uh, no, I think that made sense. It yeah. is really complicated when you're first starting out, though, isn't it? Because there's so many different options, and 
And it does seem quite confusing, like you said, because, you know, 1.5 millimeter of one can be faster than two of another. Um, so, I, yeah, but I, I guess the key is not to get too hung up on it. Just get something that, you know, is quite commonly recommended. Try that. And then as you kind of get more experience and you go and join a club and you start playing with other players, you'll be able to try different rubbers that they have. And eventually you'll just find something that you like. But I think don't get too caught up on it. There's a lot of good options. Just get something, try it, and and adjust from there. Yeah, that's right. And then, Mike, for the second part of your question, um, so when making up a custom bat, do, uh, do they already come glued together? Um, in a lot of cases, they will. So, you know, if you order um, something from um, an online store, um, they'll put that bat together. So... Um, so you might order a bat with Mark V rubber or with Tenergy rubber or whatever it is, um, and that'll come already put together. But make sure it does. So when you're when you're um, ordering it, just check with uh, with the supplier that um, it will come um, already uh, put together, because otherwise you'll have to get the glue and uh, and work out how to how to glue that on yourself. Yeah. So yeah. So the ping skills. Um, range all come um already made up so uh, yeah so you can go to the ping skill store and have a look at what we have to offer um as well yep indeed and if you do buy a custom bat the beauty about that i guess alloys is that you can keep that blade and so when the the rubber does wear out you can just replace it so then if you are buying a single rubber eventually you're going to need like as you become you know, more involved in table tennis, you're going to learn how you're going to need to learn how to glue it on yourself at some stage, I imagine. Yeah, that's right, and it's not too difficult, but it does take a little bit of uh, getting used to and learning what to do. Yeah, um, so if it's your first custom bat, it's probably a good idea to try and get one that's already um, being glued on for you, I guess. Yeah, indeed. But we do have a an old video, I believe, on um, how to glue. Oh um, yes, but to, to a to a bat, we might have to dig that one out. I reckon uh, it's it's a few years old, but um, the message will be the same. So we'll put that on the show notes as well. Yep, good idea, excellent. All right, great question, Mike. Uh, thank you for that one, and hopefully that cleared things up for a lot of people there because it is um, quite confusing when you're first getting started. All right, next up, a question from Tommy. He says. Hi, I'm looking at purchasing a table tennis uh, table for my garage and backyard play, and he wanted to know what your thoughts are on the Corn- I can never pronounce this Cornelio outdoor tables. Yeah, um, so Tommy, I, I guess my first thought always when I see outdoor tables is um, expensive and not quite as good as an indoor table. So, um, if there's any chance that you can utilize an indoor table and not leave it out in the weather um, then I would go with that option first so uh, you talk about using it in the garage if you're using it in the garage um, it's fine to get an indoor table and use it there as long as you're storing it indoors as well Um, if you're talking about backyard play again if you're able to pack the table up and store it in the garage then um, I would go with an indoor table um, every time because they're one they're cheaper and two they bounce better 
um, than uh, than the outdoor tables in general. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess that's my first advice. As far as the Cornelow, um outdoor tables, they're a good range. They're, they're a well-recognized brand. Um, so uh, they do stack up well, and uh, it, when that when you compare them to other outdoor tables as well. So, um, if you have to get an outdoor table, yeah, Cornelow is a is a good brand that uh, that you can go for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, really, I guess the key point here is, Alice, you think it's just better value for money and often better bounce with those indoor tables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Um, but like you said, there are there are places for outdoor tables. Like um, at my school, they have um, sort of I think they have three outdoor tables just there, and the kids just love it. They go out there and play it, and they're just always there, and they don't have to be packed up and put away. Um, so in that situation, they're ideal just to get you know kids playing often. Um, yes. But in terms of yeah, if you're looking at home and want you know the best quality and the best bounce, well then that's where you consider those indoor tables if you can. Time and a place for everything, Alois. Absolutely. <laughs> Apparently. Great. Another great question, Tommy. All right. Next up, we have a question um, from Jish New, who says that when I when a ball comes to my backhand and then it comes to my forehand, it takes me a long time to kind of switch over from my backhand to my forehand. So Jish New wants to know if you have any tips on how to improve this area of their game. Yeah, so, um, so there's a couple of things, Jishnu. The first thing is just making sure that you are standing fairly central and square to the table. So I know, you know, some people teach, you know, if to play your forehand, you, sta- you stand on the side or, you know, stand side on or um, almost side onto the table and same for the backhand. But the game's just too fast to be able to do that. So the first thing is to get your your feet set up in a position where you can play both the forehand and the backhand without having to move your feet. Um, mm. So that will often mean that you that you are fairly square square onto the table. Square onto the table meaning that you're facing the table. So your toes are basically pointing towards um, where you want the ball to go. Um, the second thing is yeah, just getting yourself. Uh, quite central in the table so not too far over to the forehand corner or to the backhand corner Um, and if you can do that then you're placing yourself in a position where you can basically cover most of the table with either your forehand or your backhand this the next part of this is though is that decision making between whether to play a forehand or a backhand so the first thing is you need to watch the ball really carefully if you're watching the ball carefully then you're going to pick up a little bit earlier uh, where that ball is coming to the direction of the ball if you're not watching the ball carefully or and you know people people often say oh but I'm watching the ball but it's not only just watching the ball it's really being intensely um, and deeply involved in watching the ball Um, and then you start to pick up a whole lot of other information that you're not picking up now and Mm. that very very small split second is the difference between you reacting well being in a good position and being ready for your forehand or your backhand um, and not so yeah so watching the ball is absolutely crucial it's it's interesting isn't it because you watch some of the top players and 
their opponent will like hit this incredibly fast shot and they'll just seem to know where it's going and just have their bat ready there and just block it back for a winner. And you're like, how do they do that? Yeah, that's right. And, um, and you know, the, and one thing that I guess um, you can feel for yourself is how smooth that movement feels. So um, if you, if you feel like you're moving to the ball smoothly, then that's often in, in, an indication that you are watching the ball carefully. If you're starting to feel a few ju- uh, um, jitters or, you know, you move one way and the ball comes the other way, um, then that's often an indication that, well, one, I mean, the ball might just be too fast, um, but two, it could very well be that you're just not watching that ball carefully enough. Yeah, interesting. Now, traditionally, Alois, people have kind of learned to do their strokes and you might, at the start of a training session, just warm up for five minutes just doing forehand to forehand and then switch over and do five minutes backhand to backhand. So it's always coming to the same spot, so there's none of that switching. And I know you've sort of been looking with um, Skills Acquisition Coach about whether that's really the right approach or if we should do some more random elements in those warm-ups. Yeah, and um, and I think, you know, the more I see, the more um, I can uh, can relate to the fact that, you know, just that, that initial... Um, hitting of just on one side where you know where the ball's going really isn't that um, beneficial to you. So, you know, the quicker you can move into um, some decision-making and working uh, on where that ball's coming and reacting to that, the better. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Such a, such a, a, it's a big topic, isn't it? Like it sounds simple, but, you know, learning the best way to improve and stuff, it's quite complicated. It is, yeah, but that's what make ta- makes table tennis so interesting too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, great question, Jishnu, and thank you for that. Yeah, sorry, uh, Jeff. Yeah, so we do have a, a tutorial on improving your reflexes. Oh, yeah, that, that is a good one we can, that we could uh, put in the show notes. Yeah, and that is good. It it really does um, demonstrate to you some really simple key things that you can do to to um, to reduce that switch time. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, um, got a lot of good links in this episode, Alois. So, people, make sure you visit pingskills.com um, and then uh, click on the podcast. So, it'll be under the blog section. And, um, yeah, look at the look at the show notes. A um, lot of good stuff. As, as always, Jeff. As, as always, always, yeah. So, <laughs> click, <laughs> click on blog and then click on Ask the Coach podcast and you'll find it there. Now... Alois, before we go, yes, oh, um, have, we, have we got some 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 interesting stuff now? <laughs> we have some OMG facts. Excellent, excellent. In, inside a cow, milk's temperature is one hundred and one degrees Fahrenheit. That's about thirty eight degrees Celsius. That's hot. It is, that's, isn't it? That's like that's like boiling milk. Like like that's not yeah. quite boiling. Thirty eight. No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, yeah, true. Good point. 101 but Fahrenheit, 38 Celsius. Oh, but it's warm. It's warm, yeah. Oh, very comforting, comforting temperature. <laughs> you, could have a, you could have a shower with that sort of milk. <laughs> oh, just. <laughs> just. I like 42. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, the cigarette lighter was invented before the match was invented. No. No way. 
Are you? Sh- where are you getting? Where OMG are you getting? Facts. Facts. It definitely says facts. It says facts. Women started removing hair from their legs in 400 BC. They either plucked them with tweezers or singed them with a flame. Oh, youch. Really? <laughs> oh. My goodness. 400 BC. Wow. I wow. guess. Here's, here's one where I should have been involved in. In yes. Greenwich CT, any baby born in Monero's Steakhouse is given free meals for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you do you rush your your wife down to the to, to the to the steakhouse when she's in labour? Uh, I think so. Yeah, free meals for life. I could, I could just see you doing that. Your poor wife. <laughs> oh dear. All right, last one. Yeah, great. On average, there are one hundred and seventy-eight sesame seeds on each McDonald's Big Mac bun. Fact. I'm gonna I'm gonna count them next time I well, I don't know when the next time will be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're ever gonna get a big Mac. No. no. <laughs> Let's be honest. No, I haven't had one for ten years probably, so <laughs> um, Indeed. But I but I will let you know the next time I have one, guys. <laughs> yes. Very good. All right, Al. Well, that wraps up uh, another great show. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who asked a question. And, of course, thank oh, you, Jeff. our voice. Jeff, we've yes. forgotten our competition. Oh, the competition. <laughs> God, How come can on. we forget the competition? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the competition which ends in a few days' time, I people. No, Get your video up quick. Get in. Yep. So the competition is... Um, to bounce the ball on the edge of your bat as many times as you can. Um, you need to film it and send it in to us, and the winner gets one year's worth of um, PingSkill Premium Membership. Woohoo! Second place gets one month's Premium Membership. So, people, you've got, well, four days. Um, in Australia, it's four more days um, to get your entries in. And all you need to do is... You can video it. You can send it in to us. You can post it on our Facebook page um, or on YouTube and send us the link and tag it with Ping Skills Challenge. Absolutely. Yep. It's not easy. So, um, you know, but get practicing and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll improve the more you practice, obviously. Indeed. So there's, there's a little gem right at the end of uh, the podcast for everyone. Absolutely. Get involved. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you for rescuing the show, Alois. No worries. <laughs> and have a great uh, day, everyone. And until next time, enjoy your ping pong. Bye. Bye. Bye.